have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them please to 2 Samuel 16. Sunday morning we're in a sermon series called By Request. This request was given several years ago. We're finally getting to it. Shemai, a man with a toxic soul. You might be asking, where is 2 Samuel, Pastor? I'll be glad to help you. It's right next to 1 Samuel. When you find 1 Samuel, just turn over and you'll find 2 Samuel. Next parking place, right next to it. 2 Samuel 16. An interesting story about a man by the name of Shemai and King David. Follow the story. And when King David came to Barum, behold, thence came a man out of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei. He was the son of Jerah, and he came forth and cursed, even as he came. He cast stones at David and at all the servants of the king. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shemai when he cursed, Come on, come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. The Lord has returned upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord has delivered thy kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief. Behold, you are a bloody man. Verse 9. Then Abishah, the son of Zuru, unto the king, said, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Your Highness, let me go over, I pray, and remove his head from his shoulder. But David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerah? Let Shemai curse. Perhaps the Lord has said to him, Curse, David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all the servants, Behold my son, which came forth out of my bowels, he seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do? Let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord hath perhaps bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on my afflictions and that the Lord will requit me good for cursing this day. Verse 13, And as David and his men went on their way, Shemai went along the hillside over against him and continued to curse him, and throw stones at him, and kick dirt on him. Interesting story. Reminds me of another story I heard about a couple traveling in their car. And the wife turned to her husband and she said, Do you remember when we stopped for lunch a while back? I left my glasses on the table. We must go back and get them. They're expensive glasses. Well, her husband was not happy. 
it would take at least 30 minutes to turn around and go back to that restaurant to get those glasses. And it would put him right in the middle of rush hour traffic. He was not happy. But anyway, he decided to go back and get the glasses. And he fussed and complained and grizzled and griped the entire way back. He called his wife stupid. He called her absent-minded. He just went on and on and on against her. Well, finally they got to the restaurant. And the man said to his wife, Well, since you're going back inside to get your glasses, you might as well get my hat. This man like so many other people in our world, and sadly to say, in our church, has a negative critical spirit. People with such a spirit spend their time, spend their days, spend their weeks, their months, their years, and their life always looking for something to complain about. People with a negative mindset People with a critical spirit, people with a wagging tongue are toxic. And their poison will eventually kill them spiritually, if not physically, and it will infect other people. Somebody has wisely said, a critical spirit is like acid in a container. It will destroy the container that holds it and then it will destroy everything else that is around it. In our story, we are introduced to a man, Shimei, who is toxic. He's poisonous. He's venomous. He possesses a negative mind. He possesses a critical spirit. He possesses a wagging tongue. And everywhere he goes, he spews it out against those that he does not like or he does not agree with. In our story, it's against King David himself. Now, what is Shimei's problem? Why is he so foul? Well, the truth of the matter is, we don't really know. No explanation is given for why he has developed such hatred, such negativity, such bitterness in his heart. But we do know he takes it out against the king, against David himself. If you notice in the verses we just read in verse 5, he swears at David. He calls him every profane, vulgar name in the proverbial book. And verse 6, he throws stones at David. Now, these are not big stones. The actual word is for stones that would be probably more like little rocks or pebbles. It's not so much to hurt David as it is to insult him. He throws stones at David. Verse 7, he challenges David. He says, come out, come out. Better translation, 
Come on, David. Come on. Take me on, David. Are you scared? Verse 7, he insults David. Calls him a bloody man. He says, you're a man of Belial. You're wicked, David. You're a rogue. You're an embarrassment to the throne that you've inherited. Verse 8, he judges David, curses him again. He says, you're cursed of God. And so vile is Jemai's attack against David, totally unexpected, totally unwarranted, that Abishal, he's David's secret service man, or one of them. He says to David, David, would you let me take care of him? I'll gladly draw my sword and remove his head from his shoulders. Now, what would you have said? What would you have done? Well, I believe this is another insight to why David was called a man after God's own heart. Even after being cursed at, even after being mocked and insulted, even after being challenged, even after being judged as cursed by God, even as having dirt kicked on him, spit on him, David says no. No. Let him alone. He's not worth it. He's not worth it. I want to ask you a question that maybe we can answer and maybe we can't. We don't know why Shammai did what he did. But do you think he knew what he was doing? Do you think that he understood that he had a mind and a heart and a mouth and mannerisms that were foul and nasty and poisonous, offensive? Do you think people who have that kind of attitude, do you think they know it? Or do you think they're blind to it? I don't know. Reminds me of a story of a woman who went to her pastor. She said, Pastor, I have but one talent. Pastor, I have but just one gift. My talent is complaining, and my gift is criticizing. And the pastor said, Ma'am, the Bible speaks of someone like you who had one talent, and they went out and buried it. Maybe you would be wise to do as well. Some people, I believe, have been negative. Some people, I believe, have been poisonous and venomous and vile for so long that they can't even see it anymore. It's as natural to them as breathing is. And maybe Shammai was like that. I read another story about a lady named Catherine Marshall. Catherine Marshall was considered by many to be a godly woman in her day. But 
she had a problem. She had a proclivity. She had a tendency to find fault with everyone and everything. She was one of those people who walked around looking for something to criticize, looking for something to complain about, looking for something to to condemn, to judge, to belittle, to put down. But one day, God convicted her of that because it's a sin. And convicted of God about her sin, she confessed to God of her negative mind and heart and mouth and actions. And she asked God to help her to guard her words. And God heard and answered her prayer. Catherine Marshall, who used to have an opinion on everything, always negative, by the grace of God and the power of God's Spirit, began to muzzle her tongue. She began to say very little. She didn't comment, she didn't analyze, she didn't debate. She just sat and she would listen to people. She became a good listener where she used to be a know-it-all. Those around her at first didn't really notice it. But the more she carried on that kind of attitude, the more they noticed it. And the more they liked the new Catherine Marshall. When she did speak, those who heard her were astonished at how pleasant she was. How her words were positive and praiseful and she she had kindness to say. And Catherine Marshall, in the latter years of her life, went from just being what many people considered a godly woman to becoming a great woman for God in the area of encouragement. She used to tear people down, but she became a great encourager. Whether Shimei knew what he was doing or not, I don't know, but he did it. Now let's pause a moment and recap, because then we're going to finish this thing out. Shimei has a sinful problem. He's negative, he's critical, and he's judgmental. He has a toxic soul. It shows in the way he talks, and it shows in the way he acts toward other people that he dislikes or disagrees with. Why is he so vile? We don't know. Does he know he has the problem? Maybe. One day, Shemai is going to be judged by David. One day, he's going to be judged by God for his poisonous ways. The wrath of David one day is going to fall on this man, though it doesn't fall on him this day. And the wrath of God will fall on him in eternity, though it may not fall on him now. Now, let's pick up this little bit more. You say, Pastor, that's a, that's a nice little story about Shimei. Is it your story? Is it my story? Is it our story? 
Could it just be possible this morning, ladies and gentlemen, we could be Shemites? We can't see it because we've been looking at it so long, it's just a natural thing to us. We can't hear it because we've heard it so much that it's just a natural thing to us. We can't experience it because it's just a part of who we are for so long. Could it just be possible, could it just be possible that you and I are Shemites? Because I told you earlier, there's a lot of them out there. But sadly to say, maybe there's some in God's church. That doesn't say you don't love the Lord. It doesn't say that you can't be lovely at times. It doesn't say you can't be good and kind. You can be all of that, I suppose, and still have a negative mindset a critical heart, a complaining mouth, a criticizing mouth. You can still spew out poison upon people and things and be destructive, not constructive, be discouraging, not encouraging. Not only do we see this in Shemai, but we see the contrast in David. Shemai was a man after the devil's own heart. But David was a man after God's own heart. And David learned something that made him such a man. He learned that the secret to the Christian life was controlling what? Controlling what? Controlling what? Controlling what? Controlling what you think. Controlling what you feel. Controlling what you say. Controlling what you do. Through the power of God's Spirit Himself, just like Catherine Marshall. I love Philippians 4.8. I believe it tells us the mindset, the heart set, the mouth set, and the action set, if you will, of what God wants of us. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, what? Think on those things. And when a man thinks on those things, he will feel those things. He will speak those things. He'll act out those things. Because what's in the mind is what determines what will come out of the heart and out of the mouth and out of your actions. That's why the battle is for the mind. Somehow, some way, Shemai had a toxic mind and it reflected in everything he did. Yet David, despite all of the, the adversities of life that he went through, Somehow, he managed to keep control of how he would think. Now, let's look at David very quickly. In two, and I want us to see two ways that David, two 
ways that David controlled that mind. Because if he could do it, we can do it. First of all, David avoided becoming toxic, poisonous, venomous. Because he remembered that he was a sinner too. He had failures too. Verse 10 and 11 is very interesting verses. David says, Abishai, I don't want you to kill him. I don't want you to kill Shammai. I believe, David says, that he sent as a reminder from God of my sin. Look at verse 10 and 11. Interesting. And the king, David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerah? Let Shemai curse. Because maybe the Lord is using him. Maybe his cursings of me as a reminder for what I've done in verse 10. David said to Abishai and to all the servants, Behold, my son, he came forth from my bowels, and yet he seeks my life. Why should I dwell on this Benjamite? I've got heavier issues to deal with. Let him alone. Let him curse. Maybe the Lord is speaking through his cursings to me. Don't get me wrong, David's not saying what Shemai's doing is right. He's simply saying, Abishai, don't kill him. I am a man with failures too. His failure is he can't control his mouth and he can't control his actions and he acts like a fool. Tears people down and he insults people. He has a problem, but I too am a man with problems. And my problems perhaps are even worse than his. I wonder if David isn't thinking about the adultery he committed just a few months earlier. I wonder if he isn't thinking about the murder he committed to hide that adultery a few months earlier. I wonder if he isn't thinking about the deceit and the dishonesty that he put into place to hide that adultery and that murder a few months earlier. Yes, God forgave David of his sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us of all iniquity. But when God forgave David, he told David that he would never forget what he had done. That what David had done would haunt him and the consequences would haunt him the rest of his life. And maybe David believes this is part of those consequences. God has raised up this foul-mouthed, loud-mouthed man to be a reminder to me of my own sinfulness, my own wickedness, and how by the grace of God I haven't become what he is. 
David's sinfulness made him less inclined to throw stones at other people's sinfulness. I believe that people can become vile and poisonous and foul in their mind and hearts when they forget that they're sinners too. That they make mistakes too. That they have shortcomings too. That they say things they shouldn't say. They do things they shouldn't do too. And I believe what stayed David's hand was that understanding. I'm just a sinner who needs God's grace and mercy just like he does. God dealt with me. God will deal with him. I will not bloody my hands messing with that little man. I've got weightier matters on my plate, and that's my own son Absalom to fool with him. In John chapter 8, many of you know the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. And she was brought to Jesus. The religious leaders demanded that she be stoned to death according to the law. And they wanted Jesus to okay it. Of course, Jesus wrote some things on the ground. Some people wonder if he didn't put the names of the religious leaders and write their sins. We don't know what Jesus put, but whatever he put got their attention. And then Jesus, I believe, held out a stone and said, if there's any of you here without sin, a literal translation, if there's any of you here without this sin, pick up the stone and throw it. And one by one, that religious bunch, just as foul as Shimei, that religious crowd just as poisonous as Shimei, They threw their stones down and walked away. He who is without sin, this sin, cast the first stone. And I believe David remembered his sin. When we remember our own sinfulness, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be less inclined to go around pointing out everybody else's. People who are poisonous and foul and negative, all they do is look at everybody else's issues and they never look at their own. Heard the story about two lady friends who got together every week and they made it a point to tear down everybody in the church. One by one, they went through the church roster, pointed out everybody's inadequacies, everybody's shortcomings, everybody's flaws, everybody's faults, everybody's hypocrisies, everybody's idiosyncrasies. They pointed and went right through it. That was, their, that was their agenda for the week. Chewing on the church members, pastor and staff. Well, the husband would just sit over there in his chair and he wouldn't say a whole lot. Well, after one of these chewing sessions, 
And by the way, while they were tearing everybody else down, they were patting themselves on the back for how close to God they were. <laughs> well, after the friend left, the, the, the man's wife came up to him and said, Honey, aren't you glad that me and my friend are close to God? But don't you believe that I'm just a little bit closer to God than she is? And the man who didn't ever say much said, I don't believe that either of you are crowding him enough to brag about. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get the idea that we're the only ones walking close to God and everybody else is so far away. The truth of the matter is, so are we probably. David was able to resist this venomous personality, this mindset and this heart set that was so foul and offensive because he never forgot he was a sinner saved by grace. And he trusted in the grace and mercy of God. And the God who dealt with him will deal with those who criticize him. It's not for him to worry with. But secondly, David had something else going for him that I believe we need if we're going to avoid being like Shimei. Not only did he remember his failures, he remembered God's faithfulness. In Psalm 3, the first four verses, but actually the entire chapter, David is writing about this incident about his relationship with Absalom, the whole thing that was going down at the time. And he says in Psalm 3, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. And I wonder if he didn't have in mind Shemai. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me my glory and my lifter-upper of my head. That sounds like a good song, wouldn't it? Maybe I'll get Keith to see if he can come up with a song. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, David says, and he heard me out of his holy hill. David would not allow others' failures to take away from the fact that he too had failures. But also, David understood not only his failures, but God's faithfulness. You know, there's two ways of looking at things. You can look at things as half-filled, or you can look at things as half-empty. The positive, the negative, the optimistic, the pessimistic. We bellyache because we pay too much taxes, and I join you in that. But you know something, the flip side is we've made good money to pay a lot of taxes. We belly ache because our pants are too tight. But the flip side of that is we've had plenty to eat in a world where people are starving. The gutters need to be hung, the lawn needs to be mowed, and the house needs to be painted. We bellyache about it. But we have a house. 
There's a lot of people in this world who sleep under lean-tos or sleep under garbage dumps. We grumble because we've got to park a mile away to get somewhere. But thank God we have the ability to walk that mile. Because there's some people who can't walk at all. We grumble because we have a huge air conditioning bill. But thank God that we were cool. We grumble because the alarm goes off too early every morning. But aren't you glad you're alive to hear it? You see, you can look at life two ways. You can go through life and always look at the, the negative, the nasty. Or you can go through life and just see God's faithfulness. God was faithful to David. David wasn't a perfect man. David had many flaws. He had many faults. He had many sins. He had wickedness at times. But David was called a man after God's own heart because David, to the best of his ability, would carry his sins, his flaws, his faults, his wrongs, his wickedness to the throne of grace and be forgiven. When he fought, when he fell, he got back up. And by the grace and mercy of God, he dusted himself off and he kept on walking with the Lord. And he would not allow it to affect him how he thought about others and how he thought about life. David's God was faithful. The blessings of that God far outweighed the problems of life. Now let's recap it. Critics and toxic people are everywhere. Would you not agree? Shake your head. Let's make sure that we're not one of them. And sometimes we're the last ones to see it. So we owe it to our family and our friends if we see them becoming toxic and poisonous and venomous to do what? And love, let them know. Sometimes our enemies will let us know, but why won't our friends? I wonder if somebody would have pulled Shimei to the side and said, Listen, buddy, you're out of line. That's the king. That's God's man. Whether you like him or not, agree with him or not, is irrelevant. You don't say what you're saying. You don't do what you're doing. That's wrong. That's wicked. Nobody did. That's why those kind of people go on and on and on. Nobody ever says nothing to them. But they're everywhere. They're in the world. They're in the church. Let's make sure we're not one of them in the world or in the church. Secondly, we can't change the Shemites. Nor can we change their opinion of us. You can't change a critic. You can't change a negative-minded, negative-mouthed person. You can't change them. You say, Pastor, I'll love them. You can love them, you're not going to change them. I'll hate them. You can hate them, but you're not going to change them. Only God changes people. And what a wonderful day it'll be in our lives when we understand that. Because we believe we can change people. We can't change nobody. Only God changes. And we can't change the people's opinion of us.
Only God can change a mind and a heart. Only God can change a person and a life. That's why David doesn't debate with Shemai. He doesn't argue with Shemai. He just ignores him, essentially. If you don't like me, there's nothing I can do to make you like me. If I don't like you, there's nothing you can do to make me like you. Only God can change my mind and heart, and only God can change your mind and heart. Only God can change the way that I think of you. Only God can change the way you think of me. It's a work of God. That's why David, thirdly, paid no attention to Shammai. He brushed him off. I believe David, although it doesn't say in the scripture, I'll, I'll, I'll speculate, if I may, that David prayed for him. I believe David prayed for him at times. But whether he did or not, David proceeded on with his life. He did not allow the foul, venomous people of this world and sometimes the church to distract him from what he was to do as king. You're going to get criticized. And sometimes the criticisms are unfair, they're unjust. Sometimes they're said by people who have a foul mouth, who have foul actions. You can spend your time trying to change their mind about you. You can spend your time trying to change their opinion about you. You can spend your time arguing with them, fighting with them, negotiating with them, compromising with them. Or you can just spend your time marching right on. And keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus. And thank Him that by His grace and mercy, you're not like that. And seek His forgiveness that you don't become like that. And look at His faithfulness and say, My God is faithful and true. Even against these people, He's faithful and true. You know, critics are like flies. Flies will annoy you, but they can't hurt you. And David dismissed Shemai. He just dismissed him. Didn't even answer his remarks. And then the last thing again, I remind you, let's not become that ourselves. Let's remember that we're sinners and we're forgiven by God. So we forgive others. Let's remember that our God is faithful. He says He will provide for us and protect us and give us peace. We call upon His name. Let Him deal with everybody else and everything else. Shemai. He had a toxic soul, may we not. David. He was a man after God's own heart. May we be such. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me ask you a question right now. Can you think of anybody right now that has said something unkind about you? 
Can you think of anybody who perhaps has done something unkind to you? Whether it was justified or not, whether they meant to or not, they did. What was their motive? Who knows? Maybe they've never even brought it up to you. Maybe they don't even know it. Maybe it's just who they are. But can you think of anybody right now as you're seated right here, right now, head bowed, eyes closed? Can you think of anybody who said something unkind about you, who's done something unkind to you? Would you take that person's name that has come to your mind and would you ask God to forgive you for not forgiving them? As we so forgive others, God so forgives us. I don't know the implications of that in its entirety, but that's a scriptural principle. Have we not said unkind things? Have we not done unkind things? Sure we have. And we've asked God to forgive us, and has He not forgiven us? Should we then not issue that forgiveness that He so gave to us, to others who may have said something unkind or done something unkind? You can think of anybody right now that has done that to you? Would you ask God to forgive you for keeping it in your mind and heart? Would you ask God to help you let it go and not dwell on it? Because if you dwell on it, you'll become a part of it. Maybe you're here today and maybe God has shown you in the mirror. Maybe you've allowed your mind to become a little bit too negative lately. Maybe you've allowed your eyes to become eyes that find flaws and faults. Maybe you've allowed your ears to become ears that only hear the bad. Maybe your thoughts and your feelings are always sour, vile, and poisonous. And maybe you can't really see it, but God is just kind of saying to you, maybe that's you too. Maybe it's reflected in how you speak to your spouse. Maybe it's reflected in how you act toward your children and grandchildren. Maybe it's shown in how you handle life when it comes at you. Maybe it's seen in how you talk and act toward other people. If you don't do something with it, it will destroy you. And it will destroy everything around you that's near and dear to you. Sad case with Shemai is he never saw it. 
David would one day have him put to death because of his vile, poisonous ways. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit has a marvelous way of just taking his finger and gently but firmly putting it on those sore spots of our life that we don't want to deal with and reminding us that we will deal with them. Lord, I pray that if I or my congregation have not forgiven somebody who's offended us, that we have done it today. And in that forgiveness, we've let it go. The best of our ability, we will not think about it. We will not talk about it. We will not act upon it anymore. We have placed in that offense into the sea of forgiveness and forgetfulness and ask you to take it away forever. And Lord, I thank you today that if we have become like Shemai, toxic. I thank you that your spirit has a way of tapping us on the shoulder and saying, stop. Don't go any further. Deal with your own backyard before you try to clean up somebody else's. Take the log out of your eye before you try to take the splinter out of somebody else. Deal with yourself rather than deal with others. Remember, I have forgiven you. I've been faithful to you. Purge yourself of this infection that will destroy you. I pray this, Lord, for all of us. In Jesus' name.